around, round, get around, I get around. Yeah, Welcome get back around. to another episode of the podcast brought to you by Commonwealth Magazine. My name is Andy Metzger, and I'm here with Michael Capuano, Steve Bedore, and C.A. Webb. We're going to be talking about transportation and the political angles of that. Um, you probably know some of these names. Michael Capuano served in Congress for about 20 years, representing much of Boston as well as Somerville and other places. Steve Bedore was for a time the Senate chairman of the Transportation Committee and is now a lobbyist at Mintz Levin. And C.A. Webb is the chief executive officer of the Kendall Square Association and uh, representing the interests of businesses there. And I guess to start off, and who wants to take this? Why is transportation so important to people? Who it's, wants to well, jump in? Just, Steve. Because it's the one thing that He's everybody take the does. Easy one. You can have uh, me exactly, that. right. I'll jump in on this one. So it's, it, it impacts everyone, whether you're a T rider or, unfortunately, like me, a commuter that st- sits in traffic. Uh, for hours coming in and out of Boston. So whether you're a Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, it doesn't matter. You're impacted by transportation. All right. Everyone agree? A hundred percent. And I would just add that, you know, it represents our most valuable asset, which is our time, right? None of us want to spend that A to B time. We just want to get from A to B. All right. Thank you, C.A. It it really does impact business. I mean, businesses will will hesitate to go to a place where their people cannot get to and from work in a reasonable period of time. Um, They just won't. All right. Now, I thank thank you, Mike Capuano. And I want to go around and get everyone's answer to the question of what is Governor Charlie Baker doing right and what is he getting wrong when it comes to transportation and the T. And let's start with CA, who I know you you wrote a letter sort of in regards to this. So what do you have to say about that? So right, the Kendall Square Association, after the red line derailment a couple of weeks ago, I, you know, my phone rang, my email filled up with leaders saying, look, this is unreasonable. This is ridiculous. This is derailing our businesses. Um, You know, meetings missed, people arriving hours late, people saying, I don't want to come into work tomorrow. Can I just work from home? Great. That works for office workers. Guess who it doesn't work for? Lots and lots of other people, whether you're working at a lab bench or whether you're working security or whether you're working in the cafeteria, it just doesn't work. So um, 40 of our corporate leaders, literally in a four-day period, jumped aboard a letter calling on our big three, um, the Speaker, the Senate President, and and the Governor to um, address this with urgency. And to uh, we also called for revenues, which was um, something obviously the House and Senate have already been working on. And, um, y- you know, we know that Baker has been less enthusiastic about that. And the second part of the question was, what is he doing right? So his rapid response, you know, the press conference with, with Secretary Pollack was um, helpful. You know, $50 million to accelerate and, and maintenance improvements, definitely helpful. Also, a drop in the bucket compared to what we need to do. Um, we're not going to solve this crisis with 50 million here, 30 million there. What we need is billions of dollars of investment that, frankly, we should have all been pushing for for the last 20 years. But we're going to play catch up now. All right, Steve Bedore. So I think uh, he gets credit for I would say his laser-like focus on the MBTA, uh, and at the same time I would criticize or say his weakness is his laser-like focus on the MBTA. Uh, as a result of that, there's been a lack of attention paid to commuters and traffic congestion. For those of us, I don't care what is out there, we'll never take the commuter rail into Boston for work. Who drives in every single day? There's no excuse for a two-hour ride home last night from Boston. There seems to be a complete lack of focus on those of us who commute in daily 
via a vehicle. And I've called for this before, and I think it's time we could talk about this, but we need a traffic czar here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, someone whose pure focus is through point, getting people from A to B as quickly as possible, using technology, using the best practices of other states. Interesting idea. All right, Mike Capuano. Again, you got to give him credit for talking about it now and, and trying to do the right thing. At the same time, look, Kendall Square is a classic example. They just went through several years of real problems with construction because of the Longfellow Bridge. That was planned. People understood it. They were able to plan around it. And it was reasonably well done for a difficult construction project. So people didn't complain too much about that because they were part of the process. Um, after that, now they're going through something that's not planned. And, and it's like that, nobody is going to put up. I want to be real clear. Focusing on the MBTA shouldn't be thought of as just an MBTA thing. No one wants all those MBTA riders in their automobiles making traffic worse. Matter of fact, we want more people into the MBTA, we want more people on the commuter rail, and the only way we're going to do that is if we improve the system. $50 million, it's a nice gesture. Thank you. It's totally insufficient. It will not make a dent of difference to the average commuter, and even if it handles the immediate crisis of a few derailed red line drains, it is not going to come close. It's not going to begin. We need bold action, bold proposals, and I honestly believe with all my heart that the average voter will support new revenues that are directed towards transportation and completely locked off, and we can show them you're going to get this bridge, you're going to get that road, you're going to get that extension of this line or these improvements in the commuter rail. Whatever it is, I have not heard or seen any significant proposals for bold plans such as, and I'm not, I'm not even sure they are engineeringly possible. It's not just the MBTA and the red line. It's 128. You know, somebody has to come along. You can't widen 128 much more than it already is. Again, I don't know if it's a tunnel or a bridge or a monorail. I don't know what it is. Something has to be done to get people off of that road. And I don't live there. I mean, most of my constituents didn't go to M128, but it does impact everything. And that's true for 93. That's true for Route 1. That's true for the Southeast Expressway. And that's just here. That doesn't talk about the problems they have in Methuen and the problems they have in Springfield and Worcester. And again, I'm not asking for the impossible. I'm asking for serious bold proposals to get us into the next generation. Who's going to make the proposal to build the original green line today? And I, the answer is nobody. Not, I no, think no we found our transportation czar. Uh, well, <laughs> can we, can we pull you out of retirement? To, to be honest, we don't, it we, can't be done without but, the money. But the other side to it all is it also can't be done without a comprehensive look at our transportation Absolutely delivery system. Right. And that's been the problem. So folks outside of Boston who don't take the T, who don't take the commuter rail, get frustrated because they're sitting in traffic. And no one pays attention to that congestion problem. So until you have a comprehensive view that's and look, and I think the governor is doing that to a degree. Look, the, the MBTA, it's super difficult. He is focused on that more than anyone else in the time that I've been focusing on transportation. He's taken it on. He's taken responsibility for it. It's super difficult. Accidents happen. Problems happen. But he's trying, and I think he's doing a good job. Is there more to be done? Of course there is. But there are parameters in which you have the I, I political don't views I don't disagree do with that. anything you just said. I, I totally agree with that. At the same time, it cannot be done simply with new switches. And don't come on, that's critically important. I'm not going to say it's not. I, look, I spent 
decades in the weeds on transportation, and I understand that, and I respect it, and I support it. At the same time, if the MBTA were running as perfectly as it could, if you could wave a magic wand today and run it perfectly every day with the current system, it's not sufficient. We need the next. We need that, but we also need the next big bold proposal. Whatever, and again, I have a hundred ideas. I don't know which one are good or which one are realistic. Somebody has to get behind some big ideas. High speed rail to Springfield. I mean, whatever it might be. There's a dozen of them out there. Let's embrace them and go to the public and say, this is the plan, one step at a time. This is what it's going to cost. This is how we're going to raise the money. For example, you live in Methuen. Every, I have a place in New Hampshire. Every time I go to New Hampshire, I go through not one, not two, but three different toll booths. I help pay for New Hampshire's roads. People from New Hampshire coming here for jobs do not spend a penny helping us maintain Massachusetts roads. Not one penny. Now, that can easily be remedied, but it takes a little courage, takes a little thought, and it takes a little boldness. Well, let, let's get to the ideas a little bit later. And first off, CA, did you have something that you wanted to... Well, I think we should note a couple of other bright spots. I mean, the FMCB was a great move, yes. and we yep. have some excellent leaders doing really thankless work there. And so let's just tip our hat to them. Totally um, and then secondly, I'd say the governor's future of transportation report, same story. I mean, some great... Um, you know, public servants, uh, civic leaders stepped into that multi-month process and issued a report that is rich with data, but also visionary. You know, A number one says, look, we have to invest in transit for a heap of reasons because of congestion, because of climate change. The future is transit. And it just underscores everything we just heard the congressman say. But and at the I, same time, I, wanna, I actually, I want to get to something that, that you talked about, which is that you sit in traffic and for whatever his public policy focus is, the governor also sits in traffic. That's one of the issues that people have, have brought up is that they want him to sit on the green line or the red line or the orange line or the blue line, and he hasn't done it yet. I'd like to hear from everyone. Do you think it would be useful for Governor Charlie Baker to ride the T or no? No, it's, it's just, it's politics. It's, it's gimmicks. He's, he is doing the job that he needs to do. The, it's just a game. If it's going to satisfy some people, he's going to sit on a train for a little while. Let him do it. It's not going to make a difference. I could not agree. I could not disagree this more. As someone who has worked in technology and built products for people, the first thing you do is you stand in your user's shoes. If there is anything we learned from the last election, it's that people want to be represented by people who know their pain. And that's so, why we have a secretary. Well, let's get the, the tiebreaker. Mike Capuano, what, what do you think? It's not going to be a tiebreaker. I'm somewhere in the between. In the normal course of events, I would say yes, but now it's become a political cudgel. Right. And, and it's kind of lost its usefulness. In the normal course of events, I would say yes. Um, but now it's just you know, beating you up until he rides. What I would really rather see, I'd really rather see some bold proposal the day they make the bold proposal. They say, here we are, we're going in for a gazillion dollars, whatever. Whatever it's going to be, then ride the T that day. And yeah. not just the T. I want to be real clear. This is not just a T problem. It's a commuter rail problem. It's a road problem. It's a, it's a bike problem. It's a it's a, a alternative problem uh, in scooters and, and uh, mopeds and motors. 
all of these modes of transportation are critically important, and they all have to work together. If you just fix the T, that's, it's great. That's better than nothing. It's not enough. But it's also, it's frankly, a matter of, of, of choice and options for people, right? We have people across our yes. Commonwealth who are living in transit deserts who have no choice but to get in a car every day. And that's some not them, okay. Some people chose those, and that has always been stunning to me. I, I remember when they extended the red line, people beyond the red line stopped the red line from coming. We just extended the green line, and the people, the, the next stop on the proposed green line was stopped years ago by people who didn't want those people living here. I lived through this when they extended the Green Line. We don't want those people coming to Somerville through the Davis Square stop. Now, of course, today nobody hears those arguments because it was racist. It was, you know, all kinds of things. And it wasn't true. You know, but So you don't hear it today. But the mentality is still there. So that there have been plenty of people who have done that uh, and still feel that way. And I think, and they, my answer is fine. If you don't want it, we won't give you a stop. We'll go to the next town, but you cannot plan these things one town at a time. If a town between here and Methuen says we don't want it through our town, it means we can't get to Methuen. That's not right. That's not fair. We are all members of this Commonwealth. We're all Americans, and we should all be treated fairly. And if you don't want to be treated fairly, that's your right. That's your respect. Don't use it, and we will try not to bother you too much, but we're still going to go to Methuen. Right. And so, CA's right. I think it is a comprehensive approach, but at the same time, it goes back to no matter what you do, there are folks like me who are getting in their car and going to drive in the city of Boston. And it's like, like you said, it's cafeteria workers, it's security guards. The schedules are different. So they need to do that. And it's a complete, like you said, it's so frustrating to spend hours sitting in traffic when there's so much the Commonwealth can be doing now to help alleviate some of that congestion. Well, here's a question. So Steve Bedore, you don't take the commuter rail. You drive. What would it take to get you onto the commuter rail? Is there any possibility that you know would make you a, a rider I, I don't think there is I, I enjoy being in my vehicle look I commute in at times um, I'd meet co-workers we'd meet at Anderson the train stop at Anderson they took the HOV lane away it makes zero sense to me now as opposed to one car going in there are three cars going in uh, I've looked it so no I, I just don't see I took it I took the train when I was an assistant attorney general, it dropped me off right at North Station. My office was right across the street. It was very, uh, you know, it was it was easy. Uh, I just don't see that today. And I think in order to make it so, so folks sort of, well, I'll take the tea in today, it has to be on time. It has to be lots of different times. And it has to be easy for folks. I just don't see that happening, at least in the short term, maybe 10 years from now. But we still have that problem in the meantime. And we know, right? I mean, uh, there are cities all over the world where trains run frequently yes. and it's an effortless choice to make and it sounds like maybe if it was as easy as that yeah. situation you had when you're going to North Station every day maybe you would yeah but it's just I don't see that happening in the short term and I think most people we talk I mean the the governor's uh, commission did a great job uh, on sort of listing out future potential uh, you know autonomous vehicles all you know more investments in in the commuter rail and into the T but that's down the road. We still have the problem today. And what I see lacking is the urgency of fixing the problem today as and opposed to the investments mistake. for Think tomorrow. We need everybody out of their car. We're not ever going to get it. And we don't even need that. We just need fewer people in their cars. So that, it's fine. Steve, I want him to be the last guy in his automobile in Massachusetts by his choice. And that's fine. You can have, then you can get there really quickly because yeah. there will be nobody on the road. What we need is to get 10%, 15%, pick a number, off of each one of these roads, which means, okay, we don't need everybody in Methuen. We just need 3% more. So can we jump on that idea? Because there's something that 
doesn't take billions of dollars and it doesn't take legislation to implement. We could do a congestion pricing, or I like to call mm. it road fares. You know, they're transit fares, they're road fares. Um, we could do a pilot project next month. It just takes will. We just have to get but who just gets, right to but run the pilot. It, 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 the answer is you're right, except then you have to equip every vehicle with a device that they can utilize, number one. and Number one. Number two is I, I have no problem with the concept, but as a standalone item, it, it's only for people going to certain areas like downtown. And if you're going to do congestion pricing on 128 or 495, uh, there are a bunch of different it. ways we could do it. Okay. You, could do it as a ring. Just, you could do it as a second. I just want something. But here's big. here's the issue. And I, I I don't necessarily uh, yeah, have opposite. And this uh, is Steve Bedore. Just Steve, for yes. listeners who are maybe losing track with all the. You're yeah, just because I'm going to talk taxes. <laughs> you're saying let's talk. Let's bring up Steve Bedore's name. No, I I think that the congestion pricing is an interesting concept. But again, it penalizes those folks who need to go to Boston. It's not just the lawyers or the doctors or the engineers. It's it's some of those sort of, you know, uh, working class individuals. I think if you're going to, let's talk about maybe an employer-based congestion yeah. pricing where you tax the employers and maybe give them an incentive or something. But I don't think you want to be penalizing working class families it's, it's or mothers and pops issue. from driving. I mean, there's, there's equity. Again, I still think it's worth considering yes. and, and implementing in certain places, but it is clearly, in a, for instance, there was a proposal on Route 3 to put in a, um, not HOV, what do you call, uh, not high occupancy, but it was a paid for lane. I can't remember the right. term. And I was adamantly opposed to it because that just means you're going to have rich people using that lane and everybody else still stuck in traffic. And the concept doesn't bother me, but the implementation of the concept is critical to try to address any equity issues there are because it's not going to do us much good if five rich people can get back and forth to work real fast and everybody else can't. So we, we've agreed, but can I say one more thing that's important thing, for us yeah. all to hold in context? Because we can get really stuck on what Boston has done and what Massachusetts has done. Nine of the top 10 metros in the United States use some form of congestion pricing. Boston is the only one of the top 10 metros not using congestion pricing. This is a proven solution that's playing out in all of the other big American cities. And I don't understand why we can't I want to give out one, get there one too. easier one. All right? This, okay. and easier and because... Then I'll have I, another question, but yeah, go. Every place, every major city in the world really enforces the don't block the box laws. We don't enforce them here. We have them, and a lot of boxes are painted nicely. They're not enforced, and they really cause major problems. Why is it more important for you to get home more quickly than me when we are struggling to get through the same intersection? Again, it doesn't take a lot of money. It's already there. The boxes are painted. The laws are on the books. Enforce them. And if you can't enforce them at every intersection, then don't paint every intersection, number one. Number two, pick a few and do it. How about the one that I use all the time, the intersection at Leverett Circle, right near the, right near the Science Museum? Just enforce, don't block the box in that intersection, and you will, increase, you will improve traffic in, grade in not that section of Boston by 10%. Every day of the week. Right, and I'm sorry, but that goes to the exact point why we need a traffic czar, someone whose sole focus is issues just like that. We need to re-educate drivers so that they understand that. We have to teach them how to merge again. We need sort of uh, what other states do in terms of ramp metering. Put the lights up. Let people know when they can merge, when they can't merge. When there's an accident on the highway, a little fender bender, and two people get out of their car, and those two people are impacting 200,000 people trying to get into Boston, move your cars over. We need sort of freeway patrols that aren't state police or police officers who come in and intercede in those types of situations. That will help congestion. That will help the situation. Nothing's more frustrating than blocking the All right, blocks. Well, sorry, oh, we've, we've, heard a, we've heard a <laughs> lot. Controversy, I got one more. Well, 
uh, I'll ask you to weave well, it into I'm your answer to the next question. But all right, let, let's hear your controversial. Uh, In Greater Boston, I would license bicycle riders. Because, again, as usual, 90% of the people on bikes are perfectly good people. It's the 10% who run through lights, who jump in front of people, who give the other 90% a bad name, piss off every driver I know. And, again, how do you, how do you stop it? I've seen a handful of bike riders pulled over. But very few. I just okay. have to say, See my you. campaign, you've got your Don't block the, block the Box campaign. My personal campaign is all of us who do drive, and I drive sometimes. I live in uh, right on the Somerville-Cambridge line, but I do drive sometimes. I've got two little kids, and we've got to haul our stuff around. All of us should be unrolling our windows to the cyclist on our right and saying thank you. Because you know what? It's one less car on the road. And most it's of us do. If they're, if they're the doing road. with this, right. I have no doubt you're a nice bike rider. And I would be happy to do that. It's that 10% that I want to reach out the window and do something. Well, Speaking I'll of Uber percentages. That all right. Well. I'm just going <laughs> to jump in here with a, uh, try to bring in another sort of question for us all to chew over, which is we've, we've, we've heard a lot of different plans, proposals, but – to get anything done, you need not just, you know, the people to implement it, but you need some political support. And one thing that I've noticed with transportation is it seems to operate a little bit outside the normal politics that at least affect, say, healthcare policy, social welfare policy, and that there's two sides to that coin, where on the one hand, in Congress, it's about the one thing that Democrats and Republicans agree on is they want some sort of infrastructure plan. And on but the other side, sure, there are differences. And on the other side, there was just a poll put out by our colleagues here at Massing Polling Group that showed uh, Charlie Baker and Marty Walsh both have very bad marks on how they've been handling transportation, but are still overwhelmingly supported. So it seems almost as though politics is a little separated from transportation, do you think that's true? Is that a good thing? Will it remain that way? What do you think? Like any other issue, issues come and go depending on the day. I mean, right now, I think it might impact certain things. Um, who knows if it'll impact something when it comes along, when an election comes along? Who knows what that issue will be at that moment? Um, do I think it's a determinative issue? I'm not sure that it's a determinative issue, but it is a building issue. Unequivocally, we're sitting here talking about it. We weren't talking about it a month ago. Um, we are now. Well, well, we some of us were talking about it a month ago. <laughs> some of us were talking about it all our lives. Right, That's right, true. Right. But in general, the average person wasn't. Uh, and to a certain extent, you have to understand, in, in my opinion of public life, uh, of public policy, is the general public tends to simply accept what is. And, and they, they tend not to complain about what is until and unless it either gets so bad or they see that others have a better system. If they saw a better system in New York, or they saw a better system in London and really understood it, they'd get upset, really upset. Part of the problem with the transportation system is right now, honestly, because the federal government's not in the game, which is a terrible thing, and I, I, I want to be real clear, most of the blame, in my opinion, belongs in Washington, but that's a different issue. At the same time, you still have an obligation to do what you can do within those limitations. But if, if, if people thought that Albuquerque had good tra traffic, they don't. Most people think that traffic is horrendous all around the country, and guess what? I travel a fair amount. They're right. Traffic in Washington is horrendous. I will do anything possible to avoid traffic in around New York City uh, or anywhere near New York City. So if, if 
that's part of the problem. Too many people just kind of accept the status quo as being unchangeable and things continue to slide. So in terms of the politics of it all, I think the, re the transportation is different and it's, it's very parochial. So that's why you have folks in Western Mass who don't want to see more money going to the MBTA. It's why folks up in the Merrimack Valley have similar views, but I think sort of, they, you know, the commuter rail is important. But at the end of the day, in order to do a, 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 a sort of a comprehensive transportation bill, it needs to be comprehensive. It needs to take into the needs of folks in Western Mass, as well as the Merrimack Valley. It cannot be Boston-centric. I think the reason why the numbers were the, where they were with the governor and the mayor Everybody's frustrated with transportation. I think overall they get very good numbers in terms of you know their their likability, uh, the job that they're doing. But because everybody's frustrated with transportation, their numbers go down a bit. And I think because of that frustration, it gives an opportunity for the legislature and the governor to come together, which they do often more than I think anyone any other institutions in the in the country. Uh, there's great bipartisan sort of synergies that we will see a transportation bill, and hopefully it's comprehensive enough that you get the folks from Western Mass on board, as well as the folks in the Merrimack Valley and Springfield and everywhere else, not just the folks in Boston trying to sort of do the things that need to be done in Boston. It's not just a Boston issue. It's a big issue, uh, but it's not the only issue. And CA, did, did you want to take on that I, question? I couldn't agree more. And, and I would say, you know, we're going to need to repeat some facts here so that we all hold them during this conversation. 83% of the state's GDP comes out of greater Boston. Boston, three quarters of the jobs come out of Greater Boston. We need a plan that is equitable, that is comprehensive, that takes the entire Commonwealth into account. But we have this ma massive economic hub that every citizen in Massachusetts, whether they realize it or not, is dependent on. Speaking I of, uh, realizes, oh, sure. I, I really, and I agree with you. I agree with everything that's been said on that issue. I and I, I do think that people do recognize it for the most part. There'll be some who don't, but that's one of the reasons. One of the things I throw was high-speed rail to Springfield. It's not just about servicing Springfield; it's about servicing Boston 128 and 495 as well. Because I want people to be able to afford housing, and it gets more and more expensive when you try to squeeze more and more people into the in, in, inner cities. And I and they can afford housing for the sake of if they have transportation. They're not going to go someplace that's too a two-and-a-half-hour drive out every single day. I mean, they some will, but most won't. And if they can get there with a high-speed rail for the sake of discussion, now all of a sudden they have affordable housing, they have a decent quality of life, and they'll do it. So right. transportation it's, all, it's also South Coast Rail Link. I mean, I don't want uh, yes, Mark no, Pacheco no, and Mark Wattini no, 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 call me yelling at me. But there's also, you know, the, you have the Southeastern Mass Corridor as well. So you're absolutely right. It's a comprehensive statewide approach with an absolute understanding that Boston's driving it, but it's politics. And at the end of the day, folks from Southeastern Mass, Merrimack Valley, Western Mass aren't getting elected right. by Boston. They're getting elected by their constituents who are suffering their own sort of traffic nightmares, and that's who they're listening to. So that's why, right. in order to pass it, it has to be comprehensive. All right, we're, we're getting close to our uh, departure time here, but I did want to throw one last kind of curveball at you, which is Encore Boston Harbor is sort of the, the newest wrinkle in Metro Boston's transportation problems or, or what have you. And, and they're, they're doing some things uh, to try to mitigate the traffic that they're bringing in. I just want to know from each of you, do you think they're doing it well or, or how's so that just working? for the record ml strategies Vince Levin represents encore so i just want right. to put that out yes. there and be transparent Thank so you. i'll let my uh, i'll let ca and and the congressman answer that question fair enough 
it's it's a microcosm. If you want the truth, I mean, I, I Encore and the proposal in Suffolk were both in my district. I told them both the same. I don't really care about gambling one way or the other. It's fine by me. Uh, but I would use either one of them, whichever one won, as an excuse to fix the transportation around them. Um, the, the, trans the, the road system at Sullivan Square and Rutherford Ave have been terrible for a long time. Uh, and if this can be used as an excuse to fix them, I'm all for it. And, um, and do you think it has I think turned it's, out It's helped better. a little bit, but it's not the real final answer. I mean, they've restriped a few things. They, that's really all they've done, changed some of the lighting systems, um, a few minor things. And it, I haven't been over there actually since the Encore is open. They're kind of waiting for interest to die down before I go that way. Um, You're but, never going to get there then because the interest is never going to die well, down. We, that's right, what they pay you us. You said that you weren't going to answer, answer this I had to do it. It was too <laughs> and, easy. And, 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 and that's fine because that will just increase the ability to get more money to fix the road system. Um, but all that being said, uh, it, it, the, the problems were there before they got there. Um, any business, and I don't want to, you know, Encore is no different. If you had put, um, I don't know, the Ringling Brothers Circus, so if you put what anything, any business, any manufacturing business that would attract 5,000 people, they're going to have the same impact on any road system, especially one that was already in trouble. CA, how, how do you think they've been doing managing the traffic? You know, I think any individual employer can only do so much. Sure, the package of options they created with, by the way, a lot of pressure and a lot of help um, and some great proactive approaches uh, are smart. I mean, it's, it's probably representative of the leading edge of what an employer is doing right now. However, you know, any one of us can only, we can't run the system, right? This is the state's system to run, to plan for, and to fund. Obviously, all of us citizens make up that state, but we've got to keep the heat on our elected leaders to let them know that we need to stop looking back. We need to look forward. It's time to fund this system appropriately so we can get out of the maintenance backlog, so we can get out of the potholes, right? So we can actually start building a system that's worthy of the people who live here. All right. Well, this is that is far from the last word on this subject, but I know you all have places to be. Um, this has been a great conversation. So Mike Capuano, Steve Bedore, CA Webb, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. We'll have to do this again. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs>